The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gig. Welcome to Tuesday. It's Tunday. It, you know, I started calling it Tunday, not not Muse Day. I am not amused today. Nope, it's, it's Tunday. It's Tunday. When and you it, don't go to work uh, on Monday and you cram it all in on Tuesday, it's Tunday because you got a ton to catch up on. But we also get to catch up on the True Wealth Show. That's so, true. Yay. So here we go, gang. I know it's your favorite day you've had all week. And uh, if it's a case of the Mondays, this is the greatest Monday you've had. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here we are. Um, the The theme of today's show, I've announced this to Katie. How soon? When I walked in, approximately 18 30, seconds ago. I was going to say 30 seconds Maybe ago. 30, yeah. <laughs> we like to keep it fresh, the like on our toes. The theme of today's show is pause. Pause. As pause. Not as if you're not as in not, the furry friend kind of pause, but as nope. in hit the pause button. The pause button. On what? What are we pausing on? Yes. Yes. That is the answer, right? Why does this sound like a normal communication between a man and a woman? I'm asking a different question. It's not replied with the normal. <laughs> Correct. So the, the, here, the thing Such is. Such a bad thing. What, what, is, what is the pause? Okay. So we paused the economy. We did. Right? We paused going out into the. Uh-oh. Is this. Do I need it louder? Oh, the, the, the engineer is tiptoeing in. He's going to make... We could have just yelled more. Does he tiptoe? Yes. It's so sneaky silent. Like I, I was told I do not ever tiptoe. Radio ninja. <laughs> there you go. In the dark shirt to prove it. So... He's like match. Kinda we ma- do, actually. You're matchy, matchy. Although, I have a black belt. He has a brown belt. Oh, in all fairness, I think it's much easier for men to twin than women. Like, you only have so much range in your wardrobe. It's true. Like, for women to show up in the same exact outfit, pretty random. Although you and I have shown up in the same colors. Yes. So You know what happens at home all the time? Heather and I don't even mean to do it. We will, like, wear the same colors not realizing it. And yeah. we walk out, we're going to go to church or something, and it's like, <laughs> did you did you copy me? It's like, it. <laughs> so. My mom and I do that. We tend to do that. Like, we'll show up to events and, like, both in, like, a polka dot shirt or something that's completely random that you're like, really? That's how you matched? And we, we do it all the time, too. So I, I get it. And that's even funnier because we don't live in the same house, right? At least you can go, well, maybe you saw it or you kind of said something or did something and it made you think of that color. But, like, we don't even live in the same home. So for us to not live together and show up in the same kind of outfits, pretty random. But I get that connection. Totally do. Pause. Pause. So we pause the economy. Pause everything is the thing. I feel we, like we paused life. You know, we we paused small business. We yeah. paused the taxes. We paused required minimum distributions. Right. Hello. We just paused everything. So it it's like a bad tape recorder. It can't well, be left on pause forever. It's gonna pop eventually. People, right. Here's why I'm bringing this up. People are asking me like, Have you looked at the stock market lately? Um. I try not to. I leave that to you. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, today <laughs> we briefly went above 3,000 on the S&P 500 and 25,000 for the Dow. So what does that mean to people? Well, what was the, the high watermark the on the Dow? The high watermark was like 33.80. But the low watermark was like 22.50. Oh, so we're creeping our way back up oh, is what you're saying. Little. Like we're like two thirds of the way or more back from what we lost. Well, that's awesome for investors. Well, it's awesome and simultaneously baffling. And to the analysts of the world, like somebody I know. Yeah, crickets. It drives us <laughs> crazy. Bananas. Right. Because it doesn't make any sense. Like there's no rhyme or reason to what's going on right now. It's fueled. I'm saying like this market right now is fueled by hope and stimulus and neener, neener, neener. <laughs> <laughs> is that a technical term? <laughs> yes. It's it's like if you were in an argument with a child and they stuck their fingers in their ears and just started <sighs> humming. That is what the stock market is right now. That just reminded me of a movie I watched last night called Imagine That. Have you seen that? No. Imagine Eddie, that. <laughs> it's, it's Eddie Murphy and he's a stock. He's a stockbroker and an analyst. Oh boy. And his wife, his daughter has this magic blanket and she keeps going I wouldn't do that dad it's the wrong company and she says weird stuff like he's a poopy pants and then like the next day it's like oh this company pooped their pants like they got their pants pulled down by the SEC or something that translates to it but it's all about the financial industry hilarious sorry it was just the reference of course because I watched the movie last night it triggered my brain but um, it's pretty funny because all of her little references were like that neener neener and little stuff like that and he's telling that to his clients that becomes his shtick and yet he's right every single time. And they're like, I don't get it. It's unconventional, but it works. Yep. So neener, neener, very technical term. Very technical <laughs> term. And yet appropriate. Because I, yeah. here's the, the thing to me that we need to keep in mind is that when I say we paused everything, in a sense, we actually paused everything, including financial accountability and reason. True. That's scary. Okay. Here's what's going on that I find fascinating. Uh, we have our investment committee gets together weekly and we do this on Tuesday morning. Why don't we do it on Monday morning? Because one of the members is hard to pin down on Mondays. Because <laughs> Mondays so, are just hard to pin down. Because Mondays have other stuff going on. And so we have other meetings for Monday. Because we one love of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's clarify on that. Your investment committee meeting has a formal scheduled meeting on Tuesdays. Correct. But pretty much since this whole thing has been going down, has been meeting almost regularly, like daily. Yeah. I mean, we... Or at least the, multiple the, the times during the week. members are in contact. So some of them are all in the same office, but not everybody is. So when we get all the people that are outside of the office together too, that's a formal investment meeting. We have informal meetings all the time and we're constantly swapping data. So that's not the issue. The issue, though, is like when we sit down and we're like, OK, we're, you know, for posterity's sake and compliance, frankly, we are going to record what's going on here. And we're going to talk about our, you know, kind of the, the whole analysis process we go through. So we go through a technical analysis or quantitative analysis. We go through a fundamental analysis and then we look at all of the strategies that we're managing, because in our firm, what we do is we mix and match strategies for clients. So we have maybe 15 sub strategies. And from those, they all have different mission profiles. We manage the 15 strategies. And then if you as a customer come in, you might get four or five of those strategies assembled in different ratios for 
your specific need. So let's 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 convert that for a minute to make people kind of understand that a little bit easier. And I'm going to use art because that's the language I know. Yes. So I if, know what she's going to say already. Woo-hoo. I know. Isn't it great? See, I, speak I use Dave. this very same analogy, by the way. <laughs> well, you it. use a hot and cold analogy, but it goes further than that because I it's more than the, just water. The artist palette. The artist palette. So if you take all of the like primary colors, right? So we're going to take black, white, red, blue, things like that, yellow. You can mix red and yellow and have orange. You can mix red and white and have pink. You can mix blue and yellow and have greens. So you're pulling from the primary strategies all to, these little bits of them together, to mix together to make the colors. just the right color for each client. Right. And it could be you, have, you may have a, a need for current income. Somebody else may have a need for just long-term growth and income. They're not taking any money from their investments. That's not part of the strategy. Right. There are different tax rationales behind some of the things that we do so we have these artist colors if you will right. in our different investment strategies Thanks for going with my analogy and we mix them together to get it to what we believe is right for the client and then part of the process is and this really is the the fiduciary process is we 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 keep inviting the client back to say let's look at that pretty color we made with you is it still the right color right or do we need to get you a new yeah. color do we need to start over on this canvas what do we need to do yeah. how can we so, make it better and that's the idea though is that you're constantly refreshing to make sure that it is still the need is still aligned with the investment strategy but our committee doesn't manage the individual clients as much as the relationship manager who, you know, we have a team, we manage as a team and somebody is the primary contact. The team works behind the scenes for everybody. But uh, when we get everything set up, anyway, this is probably more information than anybody are listening actually cares about. But I think this is important. You're kind of telling how the soup is made. This is in a sense how the soup is made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when we're talking about the investment committee, we're saying, well, let's look at all of the strategies at a, at a level above the, the individual client custom color. Let's look at the primary colors. And, you know, when we got together today, we're looking at the markets and we're going, OK, well, so things are priced kind of high, but we see money flowing into the markets. We see uh, here's a really interesting signal that last week, small capitalization stocks outperformed large capitalization stocks. By That's a significant margin, and I, we can speak a little bit more about what that means. Um, just, just hang on; I'll, I'll come back to that. But you know, we Small saw, for example, um, money was flowing um, away from utilities as a sector and real estate as a sector, and into consumer discretionary as a sector of the S and P. Well, yeah, everybody was super excited. The mall opened back up. Everybody went woohoo! let's go shopping so there were a number of things though i mean the we saw uh the small and mid cap space was was where like i said money flow there we saw fascinating but we we the u.s dollar continues to be very strong versus the rest of the world um yeah could it continue to do that for a little while i have some traveling i'd like to do and would really like to make my dollar stretch Selfishly good for you, maybe not so much for everybody else, but, um, <laughs> you know, price of oil has gone up somewhat. You may think, oh, bummer, it's actually not a bad sign economically. No, that needed to happen. It was it was in a danger zone. It's still pretty darn low and problematic in its own right. But we've, we're seeing some interesting activity in the market. So what the heck does it mean when everything's been paused? 
Because, because, well, first of all, maybe everything isn't paused, right? Well, some things weren't. It, it means something important, but I'm going to tease you about this and make you wait for the break. Cue music from there. <laughs> See, they nailed it. They, that's going to look awesome on the podcast. <laughs> all right. When we come back, I'm going to tell you why you actually care that money is flowing into small caps and consumer discretionary. And then we'll continue to talk about pause. What is he talking about? That. We'll, we'll straight it out. Just stick with me. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Sometimes, maybe a little on purpose. But not for me. Okay. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. He's like, what? This we is have lots of really jingle as you get, by the way. <laughs> we have really, That's it. Lots of really fun off air random conversations. Yep. The random is high. The random is high. It's the random's high, period, though. It's not just off air. Uh, so true. So we hit pause on the economy. We did. We, we hit pause on the economy, and we're talking about where the money's flowing. Right. And if remember, if you're trying to go like, what, what are they talking about? This is on podcast. You can check it out tomorrow. Uh, we'll post it to our webpage at littlejohnfs.com, uh, and it'll be under the educate tab. If you look under the, you know, what makes us tick or whatever it's called, you'll see it. But you can get these podcasts. They'll be posted, and you can get caught up on what we're talking about because the theme is pause. Right, we paused everything. Yeah, and now things are starting to open back up slowly but surely. Right, uh, some states faster than others, and we, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to the issue because uh, I've been shouted at for so many different things. Uh, one of them is shouted at. Well, metaphorically, right? I mean, okay. I've had some people that have been pretty heavy-handed about. You essentially what they've said is you're not an expert, so you don't get an opinion. Ooh, that's essentially what I've been told. It's been stay in your lane. There are smart people that are Ouch. scientists and epidemiologists, and they know what they're talking about, and you don't. So you just shush. <laughs> that that was wow. That, that, so there, that that there's that spot. We call that a verbal bee slap right there. You know, and then um, you know there are others that will then point out, well, there's a million, billion other data points that say this is stupid, and uh, I will simply sum it up this way. I am not an epidemiologist. I may have stayed at a Holiday Inn Express a time <laughs> or two. Uh, there's no such thing as perfected safety. No. Okay. And we and I have found myself getting in conversations about herd mentality a lot. Or not mentality, but herd um, immunity. It, it, no, I'm not yeah, saying that I mean, right. Herd, what herd is immunity it? is the, is the concept the when you need to get people sick so that they can develop antibodies naturally and then that... Uh, prevents more people from spreading it. Look, the the reality is that there is an element of guesswork involved, and if you believe that there are there's no political motive behind, I would say if that were the case, why does it seem that there's like the the pro stay home crowd versus the no stay home crowd, and it is highly correlated to political. Is party. it correlated to income at all? I don't know. I'm just curious. Like yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if there was a divide somewhere where it's like, ah, oh, people that make above right. this much. I will. This. I'm just going to tell you that there's no such thing as perfect safety. No. And, and so, and when people say, well, that doesn't mean you can't take safety precautions. That's true. But if the safety precaution means pause everything forever, no, 
No. And and, and my, uh, you know, I, I risk getting spooled up on this one because I do have pretty strong opinions. I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to just get back to home base for a minute because what does it mean for us as investors? I think that's really like we could ponder and basically align our tribe so I could say, well, here's my opinion. And some of you would go, yeah, that. And, and some other go, people would go oh, like, no, I don't like that guy. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, you know, pick your team. Kind of feel like um, Caesar in the no, middle of the- Nobody gets it perfect, right? Everybody's right. taking a guess. You're guessing with the information you have to work with. Uh, and so, okay. And, and, you know, you can, we all rationalize what we want. I mean, well, if that's one thing I've learned in America, we are really good at rationalization. Like, yes, we are. I want what I want, not because it's consistent or right or anything else, but because, doggone it, I want it. That's legit True. American <laughs> attitude right there. Doggone it, I want it. Therefore, I will make my reason, and that will be that. that yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. All right, before we left for the break, you were talking about small cap versus consumer discretionary. Just, just where's money? Not versus in tandem with in tandem oh tandem right. bicycle here we go the, I mean, small cap these and are discretionary simultaneously we saw this outperformance in small cap stocks last so what are week. some of the small cap stocks i don't know any companies I mean, we know well they're companies below three billion in value that's such an outrageous number sorry and, <laughs> and you know it's the russell 2000 there's lots of them uh, yeah, I could just go list small cap stocks. I was just curious if it's like, hey, you know, Marshalls is in there. And Marshalls would be in there. Everybody went to go shop in Marshalls this uh, weekend. So you know, and based on a lot of retail would be in there. But um, a lot of restaurants and other things like that that are smaller chains per se. But doesn't that kind of bundle all under retail at that point? Like retail restaurants, retail. I'm, well, I guess well, it's not. But that's just another way to divvy it up, right? Retail is sector Small cap means market capitalization. So that's the size of the company versus the segment of the market it lives in, right? The, the, sector. the sector. So you can be a small cap restaurant or a small cap oil producer or a small cap aviation company. I'm like, like Spirit Airlines, right? There's a small cap airline, airline right? Versus Delta large cap airline right you know they're, right. they're totally different animals there they both fly but their size and their scale and their capacity are radically well and different. then i mean i jokingly joked about marshall's just because we have one here in town but you know like marshall's versus target versus amazon right right like there's not nearly the amount of stores they don't ship there's different things to them so yeah so anyhow as we think about what does this tell us now we need to know a little something about the way investments are modeled when building an investment strategy. Okay. okay. We've talked on this program before about indexing, right? right. Super exciting, said Not. very few. Yeah. <laughs> said nobody ever. <laughs> indexing is buying entire segments of the market. There is an academic theory behind it that the markets are efficient in nature and that you cannot outperform the markets by making tactical decisions. And so therefore just buy the market at the most cost-effective price you can, get the exposure according to the risk you're willing to accept, and then just ride it out because the markets will be efficient. Ultimately, don't pay any more than you need to and go downstream with the markets and you'll like get the result. I feel like it's like playing roulette and just betting on black and red at the same time. Well, you know, there are there's a whole academic rationale behind it. And over really long periods of time, 
it kind of makes sense, except that when you look at all of the underlying data, it keeps moving. Now, what the practitioner of indexing will tell you is there's no way to predict the data. It's just, you know, people guess and that managers don't outperform uh, primary indexes. And so therefore the guessing, there's no demonstrable value in guessing. Therefore, don't bother to guess. So you may as well just be the index because if you can't beat it, you should join it. Again, that's kind of the academic rationale. Okay. And the way that you create more return in an index is that you bias the index to factors. Okay. Okay. So factors could include whether or not the company is based in the United States or based overseas. Okay. okay. So that is a factor. So foreign domestic. International versus domestic. Okay. Another fact, and then because of its currency exchange, right? Right. Uh, another factor is market capitalization. How big is the company? Yeah. Amazon versus... Under Armour. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And then you have... Um, uh, you have market capitalization. You have, you have what we call book to value. Now, okay. So what is think, that for Think about listeners? this this way. Book to value is if you added up all of the stuff that the company was worth. Okay. Just as far as physical, tangible property and patents or whatever that may be slightly intangible. And then you compare that to what the price of the company it's actually trading for, its share value. So if you find a company that is... Uh, has a million dollars worth of stuff, and then you look at the there's a million shares outstanding, and they're trading for eighty cents a piece, eighty cents a share. You actually have a company that the sum of the parts is worth more than the share price. Yeah, that doesn't that one didn't sound like a good. It doesn't sound well. What it implies is there's something wrong with the company. So there is risk associated with that. All three of the factors I just outlined are risk factors. Okay. So. Capitalization, the larger the company, the lower the risk historically. Because they've already sort of achieved success. Well, they, yeah, like most of them are not large overnight. Like they've been right. they grinding at it the for a while. Being big, and so now they're at the top of the food chain, so they're pretty strong. Right. So they tend to be safer. Those are the blue chip companies is what we will call them. Ah. Think about what we just saw in the markets. If money is moving into small caps instead of large caps, then the perception is that those are more valuable. The market is seeking risk, which a risk on profile means, well, we're going to seek risk instead of avoiding risk because we expect greater returns. So when money starts flowing into small caps, that tells us, well, there's some optimism in that area of the market. Okay. Now, what you want to see is more volume. Like, you want to see lots of trades occurring in those environments. So you want to see money flowing into that area. And lots of it flowing. Lots of Not it. You don't like want trickling a little bit in. moving. Yeah. Because you can change the price with just a little flow of money. We, want, we don't want a drip. We want a fire hose. Yeah, that's it. So you want, you want commitment. <laughs> fire hose. <laughs> yes. Like, the market is like, all right, lemmings, follow me. Okay, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> Poor lemmings. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know if it really happens that way or if it's just a crazy rumor. You've seen too many cartoons. Yes, but <laughs> but we all get it. So anyhow, that was one. Now, let's think about you. You did actually, uh, you totally nailed it before the break. 
Uh-oh. When, when I said, oh, and, you know, consumer discretionary, and you went... Shopping! Yeah, Marshalls right? is open! <laughs> you totally nailed it. And, and I just kind of sat there and bit my lip because I'm like, I'm not going to give up the point yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and it's because it's been a topic of conversation amongst my peers this weekend. They were oh talking about Ross in town having uh-huh. a three-hour line to get in the door. It wrapped all the way down and around the building back by gymnastics. Three hours wow, to get in. Like you could actually go to Gilligan's Island and back in that time. <laughs> oh, there is okay. a reference for you that yeah. will age us. Right. I was going to say, there's people out there going, what's Gilligan's Island? Yeah. Um, and then there are some people going, I remember when it was in reruns. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But it's three hours to like in line to go bargain hunt. It's just so asinine to me. Like I couldn't imagine waiting three hours. And I'm like, man, Folks everybody's are so just cooped up and desperate. They're like, Jones that was and- what I was going to say. They're, they are. I mean, it's their fix. They are like, we're tired of Amazon. We have, we, you know, we need to physically go feel and touch. I bet you everything in that store is probably need to be wiped down like 16 times if it's left over. Oh it's probably been handled by everybody. <laughs> you know, if you shut it down for a week, the virus will die. That's what they tell us. But then they've also said maybe it's not spread by contact after all. Or maybe you can't spread it when you're asymptomatic. Or maybe you can't. I don't know. I can't even get good information anymore. My favorite one is when they tell you that the masks don't work because it goes right through the mask anyway. I'm not even going to go there on this show. (laughs) Stop. Just stop it, everybody. There's just so much fun. There's, you know, um, like I don't want to invest in Facebook ever again because they they have (laughs) just done more damage to human psyche. They are rewiring us to be idiots. What are you talking about? My avatar is awesome. (laughs) I believe you. Just going to leave. I just believe you. He's like, I'm done. (laughs) You're out. Am I getting kicked off the island? (laughs) How do I drop the mic? It's doggone it. It's on a stand. (laughs) Just, I got nothing. Sorry, I had to. I mean, the economy started. It's just, you know what? Break. We're going to break. We're just going to take a break. David's so so flustered he's out of words, guys. If you can survive, meet us on the flip side of this one, and we will regain our composure. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. She got it out. Not a girl. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. I'm fine now. Okay. The laughing well, cast is gone. Welcome back to the True Well Show where we are under, we're composed, and. Since when? When has that ever been a requirement to show up here? It's. We're a professional show, Katie. <laughs> Highly trained you know what? broadcast journalists. There are people that learn a lot from our show. We give a lot of information in bite-sized bits that people can digest and they can understand it and they can repeat it and it's awesome. There you go. And we've got, you've learned today about the three-factor model. There, there are more models than that, by the way. There's also a six-factor model and there's more than that. So they, they kind of dice up more about where which factors would you tilt your indexing strategy to in order to generate superior returns well, and they learn the difference between small cap and large cap most people don't know yep. what those are cap is for capitalization right and 
anyway, the markets have shown some interesting signs of life, if you will. Now, remember the beginning of the show, I said there was a theme today. It was pause. We hit pause. We hit pause. And so when you hit pause on the whole world, what happens? Well, you mess stuff up, first of all. If the whole world was spinning, 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 and you stopped it all of a sudden, stuff's going to fall all over the place, right? If you okay. If you have a, you, you know, try to put a glass of water on, in this, on your center console of your car and then slam on the brakes. Yeah, it You're going to make a mess. So, it doesn't work out so well. Okay, and that's effectively what we did. It's like, all right, well, let's just do this. So now I'm going to talk. This is the get real moment of the show. Okay. Why is the stock market going up with unemployment now at like Great Depression levels? But okay, uh, hold on. Unemployment is even weird too because there's some stimulus thrown into unemployment right now, isn't there? Like it's not your standard unemployment. I'm talking about the number of people not working, not talking about programs for whether or not they are getting no, but, paid. But this, I have a point to this. The reason I'm saying that is because. If people are making more now being unemployed than they were when they were originally employed, what is the incentive for them to go back to work? Usually unemployment pays you like 60% less of whatever with a cap. And yet, again, like you said at the beginning of the show, like some of the rules are just thrown out the window. So how are if people are making more in unemployment than they were when they were working, why would they go back to work? And they have more money in their pocket than when they were working. So wouldn't they spend more in the economy too? Where? Discretion, right? They're gonna go buy things. So, Has, have TVs gone on sale? Have have there been like more electronics sold lately? No. So first of all, just curious. It's not the situation across the board. Right? True. It's it's not this just because like some people that are unemployed are not making more unemployed than they were when they were employed. No, that's true. Some people are, but here's the other thing: if you were called back to work and you don't return, you're supposed to lose your unemployment. Your unemployment goes away. Right. In theory, we have uh, people <laughs> that theory. don't want to go back to work because of we talked about this on the show before, too. Here, ready? Here's another tidbit today. Something called a pernicious incentive. And, well, that was a big word. Right. Pernicious incentive is any time that there is an incentive to do something that's a negative behavior. So when you pay somebody more to not work than to work, that's a pernicious incentive. You're incentivizing them to not go to work. Okay. You tell them you need to go to work, but it's not worth it. Yeah. Right? That's really what you've told them. So it's a pernicious incentive. It's gonna it's incentivizing the wrong behavior. Okay. Okay. So that is one element at play. The other though is that think about the ramifications in the economy. What I, here's where I really want to go with this. I think we hit a pause button on investment analysis. Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. I think we've given the market a pass. But for how long? I'm going to take a stab at this and say for about this quarter. And there's a couple of reasons why. And this is one of those where I have to go disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Because I don't want you to construe this as investment advice because I'm not allowed to give that on the show. But we can talk about these things. So you distill them how you need to and take the actions that you need to. But I'm not advising you to take the actions. You are. You're okay. going to do that on your own. But 
you know, you guys have brains. That's the good news out there. If you're listening to this show, it's because you've got brains. Or you're lucky enough to have stumbled upon this show right now, in which case, man, you get some brains fast because this is important. With the economy shutting down like it is, it's we're going to have parts of it that don't come back on. But for the next quarter, everybody is being given a pass. Money's getting thrown out like crazy. There was stimulus dollars all over the place. The Federal Reserve printed a bunch of money and then purchased a bunch of bonds to stabilize interest rates and to prevent a cascade of defaults in the debt structure. Right. So we put tons of money into And when I say tons, think of it this way. If we go to work five days a week as a country, we took one day of that week every day for the year and spent it on stimulus. 20% of our production for the year, 20% of our gross domestic product has been printed in the form of stimulus, essentially, or almost 20%. That's a high percent. It's a really high percent. In fact, to give you an idea, when the bill went out for $2 trillion went out in congressional stimulus in the form of loans through the SBA or in the form of direct Disaster stimulus relief, in terms yeah. of like checks in mailboxes, right? Okay. The amount of money that went out exceeded 100% of the 2019 federal tax receipts. Yeah. It's so just all crazy. of the taxes of last year were put back into the economy in the form of stimulus in one form or another. I don't think we did the perfected job there. I think money went to some areas where some areas disproportionately benefit and other areas aren't going to benefit at all. In other words, we picked winners and losers. Whether it was intentional or not, we absolutely picked winners and losers in this economy. Okay. So what does that mean for moving forward, though? Well, for analysis, here's what happens. While the dust settles, everybody just says, wow, that was a ton of money that got dropped in the economy, so it must be okay. And nobody ran for the hills and liquidated a bunch of their stocks because, again, for the most part, they had stimulus to prop it up. So there wasn't any forced liquidations in the market. Right. There was repositioning, and the markets were sort of forced liquidating on fear initially, but then we had massive stimulus that came in and propped things up. So the term don't fight the Fed comes to mind, right? If the Fed's going to drop money from heaven, then you don't want to try to be in front of that truck. <laughs> yeah, you want to be behind it, I mean, catching unless, all the in, cash. Unless you're on a surfboard riding the wave, right? It's That's the, the idea. Yeah, but even that, you'd be in the back. But if you think about this now, we got no guidance from companies. They all pulled their guidance saying, well, we don't know what our earnings are going to be, and yet the prices go up. Okay. How would you figure out earnings, especially if you hit pause on your production well, or the pause the only way on your... you get the earnings is when the quarter happens. You don't get guidance of what they're expecting. You just say, well, when we get it, here's what it is. So the market has to guess. And will it be like super forgiving? Because will the sh will it like shrug its shoulders and be like, well, we get it. You were closed for three months, so okay. And then like not even look at whether or not they were. No, it won't do that. You don't think so? No. Okay. No, I don't think the market. Will I think do they're going to get a pass. I think there's going to be well, this they weird. Got a pass. Katie. I think they're going to get point. another. I know, but I think they're going to get another one. Yeah, you know, I don't. I disagree. I think people are going to come out with bad news, and they're going to be like, "Well, that was expected. No. Supply chain was broken. I, Let's I, see how you do next quarter." I disagree. I think that if you come out with bad news, they're going to say, "Oh, then you're one of the losers," and they'll punish you badly. If you come out and you say, "Well, we're still making it work," then they'll go, "Okay, then we'll keep throwing money at you until you tell us otherwise." 
And so the companies that stay open, like the Amazons and the Googles and the Microsofts and the Facebooks, right? People keep throwing more money at this. But at some point, we're going to have to report actual earnings. And if the earnings don't match the expectations that have been paid into those stocks, that's when the day of reckoning comes. Right now, when we look at the P.E. ratio of Amazon. In fact, I'm going to look this up. I'm just going to go to Yahoo Finance and type in Amazon right now. And when I do that, I can go look at the P.E. ratio, and it is 115.68. Okay. Okay. So the current price-to-earnings ratio is you're paying 115 times earnings per share to own Amazon. Now, I want to take a company like Apple, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to plug it in here, and let's look at Apple and say, Okay, their P.E. ratio is 24.88. Oh. Now, what's the market cap of Apple? How big a stock is it? It's, I thought it was a large cap, is it not? Oh, it's a mega super giant cap. Yeah. 1.37 trillion. Woo! That's a big giant, number. Giant, giant, giant. One of the biggest companies on the planet. Amazon. 1.2 trillion. So catching Apple. Right. On its heels. And yet, but it's at like four times the amount that al- Apple is? Almost five times. You were paying almost five times more for the earnings of Amazon than Apple. There's got to be some weird shakedown with Amazon, too, because Amazon had a well, boost if, during this whole thing, didn't Amazon it? Amazon is to be valued at parity with Apple, its earnings would need to go up fivefold, <laughs> and the price would essentially stay the same to get to parity with Apple. That just and what I'm telling you is, hard. how does Amazon get five times bigger profit-wise? How do they grow profits by 500%? And at what point do we look at this and say, we have reached crazy valuations on these companies. Like, Can Amazon grow five times bigger without running into antitrust lawsuits and other issues and getting crosswise with the federal government? That's yeah. I mean, it's already one of the five largest companies on the planet, and now we're going to say that it needs to get to be five, five times, times bigger. bigger? And I look pretty soon, Amazon's going to own its own country. Well, and so here's my concern: if you look at the S and P 500 as an index, and we see that like five stocks account for a like huge twenty percent of, of the whole index, or twenty five percent, the top ten or the top ten stocks are twenty five percent of the index, right? Right. They're and it's huge. Amazon and Apple. So uh, if, yeah, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and a a couple more, the giant, giant stocks, when you're paying that kind of premium on the multiple, and then they come out and the earnings aren't, there's no guidance, but the earnings aren't growing at the pace to rationalize that kind of multiple, what happens to the price? Should tank it a little bit. It should, and if it does, what happens to the market when it's a disproportionate weighting? Yeah, when it's index? a huge thing, it's going to make the market go down. Yeah. So to me, we're staring at a possible time bomb. This feels like a balloon that's blowing up, and you're waiting for it to pop. Yes. And as I'm looking at this, my larger point in all of this analysis is, when the markets are starting to say, "Well, let's move money into small caps and not into large caps." Okay, and we're starting to revalue risk. That there's there's these indexes are really heavily weighted to a handful of stocks, so they're not very diversified. So is it trying to level it off a little bit more by pushing more into the small guy? I don't know that it's and taking some away from the markets are that clever. What I'm suggesting though is when we go through a period when we're unpausing the economy, and we took a holiday 
from doing analysis. At some point, we will start doing real analysis again. And I'm wondering if people are going to look at this and go, <laughs> or if they haven't already. Right. And which is, again, why you can only for so long get away with sticking your fingers in your ears and saying, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> More like, la, 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 I can't hear you. Right. So what as investors are we to do? That's and the answer is take our last break and come back and we'll give you some great guidance on mostly how to call us and then a few things that will be useful too. All right, stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. You can't make me laugh right before we go back on the air. That does not help, David. I can too. He sits there and tells me like bad dad jokes and then makes me laugh as we're trying to turn everything back on. Check out the podcast. It'll be great. <laughs> that part's not on the podcast. <laughs> go to the pod. No, it's not. But so you could, but you know, you need the whole show because the last segment was like uh, the Powerful. winner, right? That's the big winner one. And so you better go catch it. And uh, you're going to go to littlejohnfs.com. That's the one. All right. So are the markets going to go up or are they going to go down? Well, based on what you told me last segment, they're going to go down. I'm just going to say sure. But we can't, I mean, you know, magic eight ball. Should I shake it up? Yeah. It's what's what's really interesting right now is we're we're already past the point of what we would call resistance. The markets have kind of broken through resistance and are setting up from a momentum perspective like they would continue to run. Now, that's technical analysis. Technical analysis is a study of price and volume. And you're looking at previous price points. You're looking at the behavior of people in an option marketplace. Do keep in mind, today was a little bit of an exciting day for the stock exchange, particularly the New York Stock Exchange. Because you know what happened that wasn't talked about? What? People went back on the floor. Oh, yeah, it was that a, is exciting. So well, and we're in an election year. We haven't even talked about the fact that we're in an election year. I think that the election right now is kind of far off. Really? I really do. I mean, it, yes, it's something that, so from a political strategy perspective, I think folks are starting to put their players on the board and put their, the chess Sorry, pieces I didn't mean where to drag go. that all in here. I know it's I know. the last little bit of the show, but it's weird because think... it's an election year and yet there's like none of that kind well, of built into the market right now. No, the market's looking at this. So the political scientists are kind of like, if you, if you, if you want this, the regime to survive, you're hoping for a market rally. If you want the regime to fail, you're hoping for a market fail. Right. It's a really sick spot to be in because you should just always want the markets and the economy to do well. Yeah, you don't like want it to just, fail so you can like blame if, it on if we somebody. Were really, the whole purpose of having um, fiscal policy and monetary policy in Washington and in our central banking environment is to maintain a stable and orderly market. If we're doing that well, you shouldn't need periods of depression for sure. But even recessions should be relatively shallow. And the idea is to manage an economy. That's what they're attempting. Now, whether or not they're effective at it, that could be multiple shows, right? <laughs> 
Isn't but, this like self-fulfilling prophecy? It's like if it goes up, everybody goes, see, I told you so. I knew it was going to go up. And if it went down, they're like, see, I told you so. <laughs> I knew well, it was going to go down. Uh, you know, if you ever just if, if you want to get an opinion, you, you put 10, 10 economists in a room and 15 opinions will come back out. <laughs> so that's not even good math. <laughs> so that that's just the how this stuff goes down. But when we're thinking about. What, what, what I will tell you that's fascinating is the, the technical study is that we're at this make or break point and it appears that we have broken through resistance. And if that were the case, the markets would rally on momentum to a new higher point. And if you're looking at the S&P 500, you would kind of look back toward really uh, the fourth quarter of 2018 when the markets peaked and then pulled back and then began to rally, exceeded that peak, and moved on to the new highs of 2020 before collapsing in COVID. That peak in the fourth quarter of, two, or the end of third quarter, or the beginning of fourth quarter of 2018, was about 3060 on the S&P, I think. So we're basically right back there again. So we're at, 3, 000, we're at 2991 today. So like a 60, 70 point move from here. Not would far. Be to get to that level again uh, from 2018. And so that still doesn't bring us back to 2019, but it brings it, us... It does not. It does not. But 2019 was an artificially big year because we submarined the fourth quarter, <laughs> right? If we if we melted down the fourth quarter and, and set the bar really low and then had a big rally to get back to where we were the year before, the calendar year makes it look like a, it was like a big return on calendar year 2020. But, but it the wasn't. reality was that it was a resumption of a trend that failed the year before. And so it wasn't like you had way more money than you ever had. You were at all-time highs, but it wasn't like you made 35% on average. Right. Now we're looking at the markets and saying, we went through resistance, we should be rallying from there. And yet, I just gave you the interesting fundamental study, which on the one hand shows money flowing into risk assets, but on the other hand shows valuations of our largest companies out of out alignment, of yeah. So what does that mean? Well, when there's a disagreement between fundamental and technical analysis, that's always a sign for me to, when I say pause, it's funny, right? Because I've said the economy pause, but I also pause and take a hard look. My suspicion is that this market can drive higher on hopium. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh, new word. Hopium is that idea of uh, We're just going to let everything open. Yeah. And there's a, there's a chance that Congress is going to do another round of stimulus. And if that occurs, the market likely goes higher because we are injecting more, even if it's monopoly money, for a while, inflation and other things right. won't Right, we're just putting it into the economy. So in the short term, it will Help. be like lighter fluid. But here's the thing. If we don't repair the parts of the economy that are damaged, which is the small business segment of the market. No joke. Then you can put all the lighter fluid you want on a log and light that thing, but the log rarely catches fire. You need the kindling too to have a sustainable well, burn to generate the whole economic. I was picture. gonna say it's it's lighting it's lighter fluid on a twig. It's not lighter fluid on a twig. It's lighter fluid on a log. You actually need the twig too. The small businesses is the key to keeping the economy burning. That's what starts the whole cycle. That's true. And so if we don't repair small business, I think we have challenges ahead. So the markets can continue to go higher for a season, but I will tell you that. Uh, the day of reckoning may yet come. So there's not an all clear signal. That's what I'm saying. Crazy. I know. Anyway, you're, they're, the music's going to kick on. See, I knew it. Just like that. <laughs> and that means that we are out of time. So 
uh, as we always say, look, if you do not have somebody in your life to help you navigate this, we would be delighted to help you. Give our office a call. 541-375-0898. Also online, Facebook, all the usual suspects. But uh, it'd be our pleasure. So we're out of time for today. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.